Hey everyone, this is Mark from Fly Cool Shit. Before we get started with this this week's episode powered by Lyft, I uh, wanted to give a quick reminder to everybody that uh, flight caps and knee boards are BOGO. Buy one, get one free uh, on the website right now, so go check those out. If you were looking at getting a flight cap or a couple for uh, spare headsets, uh, passenger headsets, your headset, etc., etc., uh, go do that. And then while you're there, you can use the promo code FLYCOOLSHIT at checkout for 25% off most other items. Also, a word of warning, uh, we had some audio delay issues uh, with this week's episode, unfortunately, um, and it wasn't Jeff's fault. He had his door open, he did everything he possibly could do, and uh, it turns out it was my Wi-Fi. Um, I didn't find out until after the fact that uh, my Wi-Fi mesh routing system was uh, throttling speeds accidentally. So uh, the the, uh, the fault was on my end. I apologize, guys, but uh, this is a great episode, so I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to Fly Cool Shit, the show where Jeff Petro and Mark Pollard talk about aerobatics, unique airplanes, aviation news, and so much more. Hey pilot, you're cleared to enter the box. Smoke on. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Fly Cool Shit. I'm Mark. And I'm Jeff. And we are here with probably what's going to be the best episode that we've ever had in our uh, in our career. Episode 73. I'm I very mean, excited. I am too. I'm, very I'm a excited. little bit nervous. A little bit nervous. I know our, listen, our uh, guests can hear me, but I'm not afraid to admit. <laughs> I'm a little intimidated. <laughs> um, but yeah, how do you feel? I'm I'm super excited. I uh, I've admired this person for a long time. Uh, had the pleasure of flying with him, hearing his stories over uh, multiple occasions, and uh, super excited to have him on the podcast. Wayne Hanley, are you gonna, welcome to the show? Are you? I'm very flattered with the introduction. Thank you. You're welcome. And yeah, just you were saying, give you, yeah, just to give you a fair warning, Wayne, um, or Mister Hanley, I don't, or Sir. Um, <laughs> your, your highness <laughs> um, you're going you're going uh, march <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh man but yeah i mean i gotta i gotta tell you your your air show act um is something that's you know been with me for my you know my whole life i, I was in oshkosh in 99 i was uh, a kid and um you had the turbo raven and you know, outside of it being the most impressive act, I mean, not that I'm an expert, but, and you did the, uh, where you stopped in the vertical and you, I think you did a, did you do a, like a four point roll or an eight point roll while you were stopped? No, uh, I would throttle back and it was hard for me to tell, you know, no relative motion around the airplane and all. It's hard for me to tell when I was truly stopped. So I would ask the audience through the announcer to, applaud or you know do something make noise when i was stopped and the announcer would keep the mic keyed so i could hear that so when i i knew that i was stopped and i would hang it there and then when i came in with full throttle i had no aileron authority at at zero airspeed so the torque would take the airplane through a 360 degree roll and I allowed it to do that. The ailerons came in all the way to the fuselage. And by the time I completed a 360-degree roll, 
I was up to about 37 knots or so and had aileron authority. So then I would stop the roll after one, one 360 degree turn. And it looked, I hope it looked intentional. And, uh, so <laughs> that's, that's how that all worked out. So after one roll, I stopped the roll and continued, uh, the vertical climb for, you know, I don't remember, maybe a thousand, 12, 1500 feet, just to let them know that, you know, I, and I never, I never continued that on up to see how high I could go. The shortcoming the airplane had that I was going to fix the following winter was it had inverted oil and obviously upright oil, but it didn't have vertical oil. I had, I was going to put up oh. an accumulator on the airplane so I could maintain oil pressure in the vertical, what I had to do was kind of do a serpentine climb, little positive G, little negative G <clears throat> to, to keep my oil pressure. So that's, <clears throat> that's how that little maneuver worked out. Wow. And Sounds simple I, enough. Is that just a function of having, um, <laughs> is that just like a zero G thing? I mean, in the vertical bef before getting yeah. enough, yeah, there was, I guess, yeah, four G through airspeed. Yeah, you know, when you're building an aerobatic airplane, you're only thinking about positive and negative G's. You're not talking about sitting there in the vertical and there's no oil to be picked up in that, in that situation. So, uh, like I say, an accumulator would have, would have taken care of that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, That's it was wild. an unbelievable act. It was really, uh, it really was cool. really a, a um, fun airplane to fly. I just always regretted. I had more, more things on the back burner that I hadn't developed yet that I wanted to, um, have ready for the next, next season. And it was just, but it was just so damn much fun to fly. I just really missed the airplane. Oh, it was an incredible act to watch. It was an incredible act to watch. I want to rewind because I, I want to talk more about the Turbo Raven, but I want to – how did how did you get there? How, how did – I mean, uh, a lot of us know how the airplane – what the airplane was before and how it became the Turbo Raven, but how did you come up with the idea and how did that evolution go? One of my favorite stories. Thanks for asking. <laughs> when you're in show business, you've got to – you have to be refreshing. <laughs> it's almost like I knew you liked talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when you're in the show, show business of any kind, you have to be refreshing your act. You know, you can't tell the same joke twice, same audience. And, you know, there's just like the demise of the pit special. And you try and book a show with the pit special and the guy that's booking the show, he says, well, we've got three or four of those on the field here already. We don't need to hire you to come with another pit special. So anyway, I'd, fl I'd been flying the, the original Raven for a few years, and I was scratching my head for a novel act for the airshow industry. So I came up with the fact, and it was based off an Air Force experimental airplane called Pogo. Remember Pogo? It was a squat little thing that had counter-rotating no. props. I never heard of it. <laughs> and it and it sat on the ground in a vertical position, straight up. And it was a... Oh, like yeah, a yeah, yeah. Turboprop, counter-rotating blades and all. And they couldn't land it within an acre, you know, to back them down and all. So they, they played with it a little while and gave up on the concept. But that was the seed that started me thinking about this. And, and uh, so, you know, I, I don't have unlimited funds. And I had the idea, okay, now how do I, how do I, uh, how do I finance this thing? 
and I I paid. Uh, you remember Bill Zivko had to built the edge five forty. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I paid Bill five thousand dollars to do a, uh, a a drawing, just kind of basic concept, weight and balance, the size of the airplane. What I want to do is take the biggest engine I could put in the smallest airplane. So he designed an airplane, <clears throat> roughly, just rough design, basically built on an edge, on the airframe on the edge 540. And, um, and then we were looking at around 750 horsepower PT6, you know, to, to put in it and try and come up with an airplane that had a very positive thrust to weight ratio because one to one, you know, that, that looks good in the torque roll, but it didn't take you out of the torque roll back to the vertical. So I was looking for an airplane. Uh, what we ended up with with the Turbo Raven, at the end of my act with the fuel burned down and my body, fuel weight, and all in the airplane was about uh, 1,900 pounds. And that combination I had with the PT-6 and uh, the, the prop that we had on it, uh, we could develop about 2,800 pounds of thrust. So that was the breakaway horsepower that you saw at uh, Oshkosh was was that much almost had, yes. you know eight hundred depending on the conditions eight hundred to a thousand pounds uh, more thrust than I had weight so that's how we're but anyway um, I took the drawings that I got from Zivco gave that's them insane. to got gave them to my friend Art Ziordia of Salinas he's an aviation artist has <clears throat> done some really fabulous work and uh, he. I wanted the swoopy wing tips and the swoop on the tail and, and all just no aerodynamic function there at all. That was strictly showbiz. So when you saw the airplane, you in, instantly knew what you were looking at. And, uh, so art did this, this rendition and I had it in my office at my Mets airport and I had it back in my back office and very few people ever came back to my back office. I always did my briefings and all out in the, in the living room area. And, and on this one day I had Mike Conrardi, uh, one of my students and, and he was back in the, in the office with me and he saw this, uh, drawing of arts on the wall and he got all excited about it and he's asking questions and I'm telling him the, the story. And the next day he's flying with his boss who I'd never heard of before. And he told his boss, about my idea and the boss got excited about it. And he said, well, hell, that sounds like fun. Let's do it. <laughs> so Mike calls me up and, and he's telling me about <laughs> this, about this guy. And, and, uh, I said, yeah, yeah, that really, in my own mind, I didn't have a snowball's chance of going any place. And, uh, <clears throat> so I started asking questions, then finding out who this guy, Larry Ellison really is, you know, and a few months went by, and I'm doing the Salinas Air Show, and I'm in my flight suit, and my wife Karen's in her crew uh, uniform, and uh, we're walking behind the bleachers kind of through the concession area, and we meet this entourage coming the opposite direction, and the leader of the, of the group, he stops me, and he says, are you Wayne Hanley? <clears throat> and I had to chuckle because <clears throat> my flight suit – I was a walking billboard for Wayne Allen. <laughs> so I knew, I knew enough about, I knew enough. Well, yes, about I am Wayne. Einstein. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I knew enough about Larry that I knew his son, uh, David, uh, was, was David. And Mike Conrardi was building radio-controlled model airplanes for, for Larry and Mike. And they would go out to the flying fields and crack them up and, and all that. And uh, so Karen and I meet Larry and David and the, the group they're with. And, and I asked Larry, where will you be seated for the air show? And he said, well, we've got box seats out here in front. Well, it's Selena's box seat. Give you a description of that. You're on the blacktop. You got a little white picket fence. It's about two and a half feet high, you know, around you and in folding chairs. And uh, I said, give me a couple of minutes and let me see what I can do about your arrangements. So I prevailed upon the hostess of the president's tent and I got Larry and <clears throat> I think most of his group into the Larry, into the uh, president's tent. <clears throat> so, you know, there's unlimited food and, and drink and, and uh, out in front, there's the indoor outdoor carpeting, umbrellas to sit under, being comfortable in the shade and all that. So that upgraded Larry's position accommodations a lot from the box seats that he had. So uh, got him set up and I went out and flew my routine and Danny Clisham was the announcer and my mother was there and Danny announced my flight to my mother. And his bullshit <clears throat> about me and what a great guy I was that he was laying on my mother was not wasted on Larry. <laughs> so <laughs> I, 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 I finished the act and then Karen and I went back in and joined Larry and <clears throat> unbeknownst to me, Larry already has made up his mind. He's going to sponsor me on the air show circuit and back me financially on the building of the turbo Raven. So we're having this discussion and I see he's getting interested and interested and I'm being very careful not to scare him off. And we're talking about price of an engine. You know, I can, you, you can get a Walter for this price or you can get a Pratt and Whitney for this price or a Garrett for this price. And he stops me and he says, he's wagging his finger in front of me and he says, don't let a hundred thousand dollars sway you. Remember, we want the best. <laughs> and I went, oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. I've never, I've never been in a conversation. Music like to this. my ears. <clears throat> so the conversation goes on like this a little bit more. And Larry stops and he looks at Karen and he said, Would you negotiate for him? He's not very good. <laughs> so, uh, Karen's going to love me telling this story. <clears throat> so we're just blown away. We've just, we've just caught the brass ring. Everything I'd ever hoped for just fell on me in that day. And we get back to the hotel in Salinas, and our minds are just spinning to the point where Karen got in the shower and realized things weren't right. The water's running, everything's great, but she still has her panties and bra on. <laughs> well, That's awesome. Yeah, we were... Jeez, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I, I, my mind was just, uh, you know, spinning at 360 degrees per second. I, I couldn't believe what just took place. Basically, uh, a lot of years accumulation just really hit 
you know, just in that afternoon talking with Larry. And so <clears throat> we, uh, we, you know, built the airplane and, and, uh, the first propeller, Hartzell didn't want to give me what I wanted. They came out with a composite prop, hundred inch diameter, uh, 10 inch cord, three blade for a Cessna caravan. And I thought that'd be a good prop for this airplane, but they wouldn't give it to me because they didn't think the shank strength was good for the gyroscopic maneuvers. And I, they gave me a, a three bladed, uh, metal prop that had about it, maybe a seven inch cord and 95 inch diameter. And that was good for what we used it for initially, the time to climb and speed and all. But <clears throat> I did an interview. I was interviewed for a magazine. I forget which one now, maybe sport aerobatics. I don't know. But um, I mentioned in that article that I was going to go away from Hartzell and go with Whirlwind because Jim rust would give me anything I wanted. And when, uh, <clears throat> uh, Hartzell read, I'm trying to remember the fellow's name. It might come back to me when he read that article <clears throat> that I wasn't doing gyroscopic because I was doing warbird type maneuvers. Uh, he said, okay, we'll, we'll give you the prop you want. And I took the airplane back to Pequa, Ohio. And we pulled that metal blade off and put the composite blade on. And it was a hot, humid day. And uh, I took it out on a test flight. And uh, I pulled it up to the vertical, brought it to a stop, and then came back in with the <laughs> like, power. And it just pinned me back in the seat as I went up. And I was going, my fist, I'm going, yes, yes, yes. And uh, like I say, <laughs> I, sacrificed, I sacrificed about 15 knots going cross country. And, uh, but you know, that the airplane was built for the vertical stop and go. That was my, that was my big, that's what I, I hung my hat on. That's the peg that I hung my hat on vertical stop and go. It wasn't cross country speed or anything else. So that was, that was a great, uh, that was a, a great feeling that day. When uh, I, I felt the increase in the, in the performance in that stop and go, so that's that little story. Yeah, that's, and that was the. Uh, well, I don't know about the uh, pogo stick airplane you were talking about um, in the Navy, but um, you were the first person to ever do that. Then, uh, like a quote unquote stop and go type of uh, maneuver. Well, I <clears throat> I don't know of anybody else. Uh, not in the civilian realm. Uh, nothing, no one, nothing else comes to mind. Military played around yeah. with it a little nothing bit. Nothing else had like the I performance. Said, beg your pardon? No, nothing. I don't, I can't think of anything else civilian that had the performance to, to do that. No, I'm not aware of anything. And not since also. <laughs> well, <laughs> which, Hey Wayne, which, what, what's your thoughts on the Yak 110 then? Because that's um, kind of in that same direction of, of, of what you started. Well, I've, I've never had the opportunity to watch the airplane fly with the, with the two recips and one jet, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I, you know, I think from the entertainment standpoint, 
I, I think it's, I think it's wonderful. <laughs> I like that kind of thing. Yeah. But, uh, to do, they obviously don't have, you know, the toucan, they tried with a, with a toucan, they, they, they tried to do what I did, but, uh, it didn't happen. I, I don't know all the, all the background yeah. on the toucan, but, uh, that was their, their, their goal was to be able to do, but their weight, their thrust to weight ratio never came close to the, the turbo Raven. I don't believe. Yeah. That airplane yeah, was that like it. the, one of the best air show planes that never happened. Yeah. yeah they, I was, everybody was so excited for the, for that airplane. Just, yeah. just, they ran into financial problems. Uh, what was the guy's name? Dave, uh, Ken Erickson from, uh, King city and, and working yep. for Sean was very much involved in it. Turbo, uh, I'm trying to remember the fellow's name that was the movement behind the, tur- the toucan. Do you remember his name? I can't remember his name. I know who bought it, um, but I can't remember um, who initially um, – gosh, why is that name escaping me? Um, God, it's been so hmm. long. I mean, that airplane sat in a hangar for so long. Um. It'll come to me, but I can't remember the name. I can't remember the name of who who was behind that. Yeah. Hey, Wayne. Yeah. If you know outside outside of the, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Well, the fellow that was behind it put so much of his life into it that it it, it put him in bad financial straits. His business went to hell. Oh, he, he was overly obsessed with it, and and he he damaged himself financially on the project. I know that. Curvin yeah. or, or something like that comes to mind. Is that that's that ring any bells with you? Anyway, we're spinning our wheels. Gosh, here. I, I, yeah, I, I, the name is completely escaping me. I know uh, we know who bought it, um, and it's had issues since it was sold. Um, it went to, um, gosh, it, Iowa, right, Jeff? Yeah, I think it was. It's somewhere in the Midwest. And it's in a hangar now, Kirk. and they had to get a new prop and everything like that. So, I yeah. mean, you I'm guys a hoping fan. to do air shows in it. <laughs> I'm a fan, but yeah. What type? What type of uh, aerobatic mount you think you would get yourself into, Wayne? If you you know wanted to do air shows again, besides the uh, Turbo Raven, obviously. Like, what would what would be your first uh, choice? Well, I haven't flown a Game Bird yet. That looks like a good airplane. Uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, if I, I I can't get excited about <laughs> going back into air shows doing what everybody else is doing. Yeah. <laughs> do you think that's that? Do you think that with the, air sh- about, with the air shows, that's kind of what's about, lacking? You how know, about a, not a lot of? Uh, you know, I, I know what it, I, my next my next air show act is going to be in a blimp. And I'm going to be the first one to do a bag. I'm, I'm, no, seriously, I'm going to be the first one to do a bag over. <laughs> I love it. Just waiting for the visual on that. <laughs> Basket loop. Right in the uh, Pacific Air Show. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Wayne, what did you first start uh, doing air shows in? Were you, did you start in a pits? Yeah, I started in an S1S. Yeah, my first. Okay. Uh, my, I I loved aerobatics from when I was you know going through flight training in the Navy, 
And uh, then there was I flew fighters, and that that involved a lot of you know farting around type aerobatics. And uh, then when I left the Navy in the crop dusting business, I went several years without having anything to really do aerobatics. I doubt that I ever owned an airplane or flew an airplane. I didn't at least do a roll in it, but I didn't have anything to do, you know, pure aerobatic. So in uh, late 70s, 78, 79, 80, along in there, I brought helicopters into my crop dusting business. Could not figure out how to make a profit with them, so I sold them. And about a year later, uh, with about $18,000 worth of helicopter parts on the shelf, those parts left, and a Pitts S1C, flat wing, two aileron Pitts, uh, took their place in the hangar. <laughs> so <Nice. laughs> I, uh, I, well, I was playing with it, and one of my pilots came in with a newspaper clipping about uh, IAC contests and Paso Robles. And uh, so I called uh, the contest director that was listed, phone number and all, in the, in the paper and talked to her and went up to uh, uh, New Jerusalem and met some people out of 38 there. And uh, I tried to fly a sportsman sequence and all. And, oh, they're all thrilled. They're blowing smoke. And uh, tell me I'm going to get the first-time competitor <laughs> award. <laughs> so I, I, I go down to Paso Robles and uh, fly in my first contest. And I came in 19th out of 21. So I really showed them. And uh, it was yeah. – I, I laugh about, you know, I was just so behind it. Uh, but I really appreciated everybody. They were offering me Gatorade. They were critiquing me, you know, in a positive way. And I came away from there with my tail between my legs as far as my flying. But I really loved the attitude of IAC people and the way it, it, all, it all worked out. And uh, so I remember the, the first maneuver in the sportsman known was a center box spin. I didn't know anything about, you know, picking landmarks off the two axes to keep yourself lined up in the box when you can't see the box. I didn't know how to do figure out the wind by circling a prominent spot while you're in the holding pattern. I didn't, you know, I didn't know anything. And I came into the box and I did the spin. And uh, when the nose drops and the airplane starts to spin, I was so excited about the fact that I was in center box, I over-rotated the spin. <laughs> so... I, I came home, and, and uh, I think that was probably the only contest I f flew in that airplane. And uh, I promised my wife when I bought it, or I didn't promise her, I told her, I said, I, I'll probably, I didn't buy it with any big motivation to fly air shows or competition or anything else. I just bought it for a toy. So I said, I'll, I'll probably get rid of it in, in six months or so. And I did. So... Uh, I bought one of Herb Ross's uh, S1Ss, and Herb built really good airplanes. And uh, that was an S1S, and then I flew that in competition, oh, up until 90, I guess, and uh, did well with that. You know, I was winning an Unlimited, uh, and right now the airplane wouldn't even be competitive and, and advanced. Things have changed so much. But mainly that was because of the advent yeah. of the, the I went to I went to the Nationals in eighty eight and um that was the f 
kind of the turning point where some of the biplanes were showing up with six-cylinder engines and some of the early monoplanes were showing up. And uh, I, I placed 10th. I came in 10th. And I came home with the idea I either have to go to a, a monoplane or a six-cylinder biplane. And uh, that's where the original Raven came from. It was me going to the Nationals in 88 and, and not being competitive and uh, figuring what I needed to do to be competitive. So, so that the, wow. the, ori the original Raven was uh, a Giles 2300 with my own modifications to it. And it, it served me okay. well. It served me well. I did hear that done from the when you made the Raven changes? Uh, was that done before the airplane was built, or did you did you get a Giles and then modify it from there? I kind of worked with Richard Giles on on what modifications I wanted, and uh, so I, I compromised the performance of the airplane to be able to take my wife with me to air shows. Uh, I built a cargo pod <clears throat> that was detachable from the belly of the airplane that we could put in a couple of uh, overnight bag, a couple of hanging. No, it, I, I, we'd put in a couple of duffel bags, lay a hanging bag over the top of that miscellaneous stuff. And we could be out for weeks at a time on what we carried with us. And the fact that it had, <clears throat> you know, the two seats, because before that, how Karen got to an air show was totally different. How I got to the air show and we get there, she'd be on the airlines <laughs> and I'd, I'd I'd be with the with the pits, and then we figure out how we got together and and uh, you know all that. The, the coordination was a little more difficult, so I that was one of the I sacrificed a little bit of performance, probably obviously and looks by making a two seater out of it instead of a, a single seater. But uh, it served us well for several years. Karen never That's had any idea. Karen had no idea how many different locations you could find the Illinois River. <laughs> we'd, be, we'd be out in the middle of the country, and I'd have a general idea where I was and where I was going. She says, what's that river? I said, oh, that's the Illinois River. <laughs> she couldn't believe how many places that river could be. She was tremendous. Oh, my God. What are you, Wayne, what are your thoughts on the, uh, on the air show industry today? Because, you know, Mark and I, we, uh, kind of reminisce around 2001 and 99 when, you know, there was yourself, Rocky Hill, Ian Groom, um, all those guys and just a, a total dream team of, of aerobatic and air show pilots. And, um, I was just curious what your thoughts are kind of like what's going on these days. Uh, no pun intended. I'm so far out of the loop. Uh, I don't know. I haven't been to an air show uh, in a long time. Uh, I, I don't have my finger on the pulse of air shows. Uh, I'm not a. I, I get I get the magazine, uh, but uh, I I'm not uh, not the one to ask. I don't I don't know. <laughs> yeah, fair That's enough. True. There is. I, 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 I still maintain that the nineties and two thousands were the best. I, I just, I feel, I just, I look back and I'm just, I, I mean, it's great now and there's so many phenomenal performers now, but I, I really miss those days as a kid growing up and watching the talent. Well, I appreciate, uh, Rob Holland and, and Bill Stein. Uh, Rob, 
you know, he's, Absolutely. he's a flag bearer for what I liked about air shows and what Sean and I were always trying to do was come up with new maneuvers. And which what what I see Rob Holland do <clears throat> is uh, amazing, and uh, I, I get a kick out of that. And other than than uh, you know some of the formation teams that are coming along and all, I I don't pay I don't pay much attention, and uh, I don't go out of my way to to go to an air show anymore. Yeah. Maybe it's because there's nothing drawing me. I don't know. I have friends yeah. uh, when. The other thing Sorry. I wanted to ask you is um, I've, I've always had um, wanted to know uh, with uh, Larry's son, David Ellison, I've seen, you know, cause some pictures he had a cap and he seemed to be a, a phenomenal pilot, but back in 2001, 2002, there really wasn't a lot of YouTube and GoPro mounts and everything like that. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about David and his flying style and, and, and how he is and any stories? Sure. I'd be glad to. <clears throat> David <clears throat> David is one of the nicest, unassuming, appreciative people I've ever met. You, you take his background, obviously born with a silver spoon in his mouth, never has played that card. I mean, he's when he was flying up, when he and Nick Neilmeyer were coming out to Mets and, and flying there, and then when he was with Sean uh, on the Stars of Tomorrow and doing all that, uh, uh, excellent pilot. He's he's doing all kinds of flying now. He he's got some really nice toys. I see on Facebook. Uh, I see him in a new. It looks like a new carbon cub, and he likes that kind of flying. <clears throat> he's he's a very accomplished helicopter pilot now, and uh, he has. Uh, oh, I think his personal transportation is a Citation. I don't remember what model, but he's flying that. He's well rounded. You know he's. You, you, you go from the Cub to the Citation to the helicopter. Not many of us can step up to that level. And uh, But as a person, never you, you never meet a nicer guy. Just as down to earth as you can. And he's, his, his movie, uh, his, uh, uh, <clears throat> I just had a mental blank on the name of his uh, company. I'll come back to that. Oh, hell, that I think it's Skydance. Skydance, Skydance Productions, yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I, yep. I don't have a lot of personal uh, uh, dealings with with David anymore. We talk occasionally, but uh, I see where he's he had this contract, a real going concern with Paramount, and now he's with Amazon on some new stuff. But uh, his career is, is is blooming. He's he's doing really well, and. Uh, they have he and he and Sandy have a, a little girl now that's about oh I, I guess the baby's probably pushing two years old now but no David is is one of my favorite people yeah that's somebody who I I wish I could see yeah he's a talented more, pilot more of their air, his aerobatic pilot uh, the flying but yeah we got to get him on the podcast yeah. yeah he 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 was very talented. Oh yeah, no, he was. Does he, he still was, have that cap? Uh, probably. I don't know why you get rid of it. <laughs> I haven't. I haven't seen any reference <laughs> yeah. to it. That yeah. He's flying it and all that. So <clears throat> uh, that reminded yeah. me of a funny, a, a funny deal we had going down at Matt's, my old crop dusting strip down in Salinas Valley. When I when I got out of the crop dusting business, that just became, you might call it an outlaw 
uh, aerobatic spot. <laughs> and uh, we had the main rule I the had. The stories there, you have from that place are insane. <laughs> the, the, the one rule I had, uh, there are no rules. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so, uh, first rule uh, of. First rule of flight of flight club. Don't talk about Nick, flight club. <laughs> Nick was Nick was at Reed Hillview. Nick Nilmeyer, he came off the runway at Reed Hillview, and he had his head up his butt, and he's on a you know going ninety degrees to the runway on a taxiway that joins to another taxiway, and he didn't catch the tower ground control telling him he had a Cessna taxiing, you know, ninety degrees to him on on the main taxiway there. And David finally sees it, and he gets on the brakes, and the Christian Eagle so hard he put it up on its nose. So we started the Stink Bug Club, and you may have seen some decals on various airplanes around a little stink bug. Um, then, not too long after after Nick got the Stink Bug Club going, <clears throat> David lands. He's got about six hours on the cap, and he lands it. He comes down to Mets, and there's no connection between, there's no spring or anything between the rudder and the tailwheel. It's just a castering tailwheel. Wind was blowing pretty hard and David's taxiing down the runway and the weather, the airplane starts to weather cock a little bit and the landing gear is back a little further than you're used to in an aerobatic airplane relative to the center of gravity. And he got on the brakes when it started to uh, weather vane on him. He got on the brakes and shit. Here's a new 580 in the front of that in the front of that <laughs> cap, and he's got it up on its nose and the tail's sticking up in the air and the props broken. Oh, oh no! Now you got to do a tear down on this brand new airplane, and you've never seen anybody any sicker than that. So, short time later, we're having another event at at uh, Mets, and we've got the paperwork and the stickers and all set up for him so what the way we introduced introduct indoctrinated someone into the stink bug club is we'd have the airplane kind of in a prominent spot in front of people and uh we'd put the stink bug sticker on the airplane in a presentation to the pilot who's standing alongside of it and then you've got about seven eight ten guys around in a half moon around in front of him with their head, their forehead on the ground, and their elbows on their knees, you know, with their ass up in the air, doing the stink bug salute. <laughs> so, so that was the that was the stink, that was the stink bug. And you know, that's pretty hard burn on a guy that already feels bad because he just screwed up his airplane. And then you get all these friends are giving him the raspberry with their ass stuck up in the air, doing the stink bug salute. <laughs> so. Vicky oh Benzing <laughs> came up with the idea when uh, when Nick died. Uh, she came up with the modified the stink bug, and it's got you may have seen them around. They have a little N N for Nick Nilmeyer across the the, the stink bug, and uh, my airplanes have them. Vicky's airplanes have them, and I think Stein, anybody that was around in those days, has some. And, yeah, I've got an envelope full <laughs> of them for awesome. anybody that wants one. But that, that, <laughs> oh, I that love was, it. Yeah, we 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 were. I love you it. Know, we took no prisoners. <laughs> yeah, that's how. I mean, the, the, those those types of of. I, I mean, I won't call them think tanks, but I th- that just doesn't. I mean, I guess the modern day like acro camp might might 
come close, but probably doesn't hold a candle to what you guys, the intensity and the drive and the ability that you guys had to put it all in and just, just go all the way with it. I, 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 you don't see that. We only, we, we just, everything was motivated by fun. We just had fun. As I say, go back to, we had one rule. There are no rules. When somebody arrives at my airport, they didn't call and announce their arrival. They put a hot pass down the runway and then I'd pick up the radio and see who it was. (laughs) Welcome aboard. (laughs) (laughs) What was the craziest thing you saw at Mets? Oh, I'm not going to mention Allegedly. Oh God, it's it's really easy. It's it sticks out like a sore thumb, and I'm not going to mention any names. So, we're if you having- were going to make a movie with David Ellison, and you'd have to <laughs> make up a scene, what would it be? <laughs> well, we we had a fell on an extra three hundred, uh, and the wind was blowing a little bit out of the south, and he goes to the south end of the runway, <clears throat> and he's taking off slight downwind. He's not a low-level aerobatic pilot at all. He's a, a, a wannabe kind of a tag-along. So I already don't like much. this guy. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, well, we got video of it, and it is really the wildest thing you'll ever see. And when he gets in front of the hangar, he rolls the airplane. And uh, so he rolls to inverted, and he's slow. He doesn't have He doesn't have anything working for him at all. So he rolls the airplane inverted at about 30 feet. No, no low level experience whatsoever. Never rolled an airplane below 1500 feet probably in his life. So oh, he, rolls the, he rolls left, he's inverted <clears throat> and he knows enough to push and he's rolling and he's, we've got a uh, telegraph wire follows the railroad track that was across the runway from the hangar. <clears throat> and he's, He's he's dropping into these wires as he's as he's rolling now as he gets about a ninety degree after he's completed two hundred seventy degrees he's about ninety degrees of bank he starts pulling and his shadow went through those wires and everything about it you couldn't see how he did not crash and that's headed for the driveway and and the county road that runs along the uh, <clears throat> the runway there. And there's a car coming down the driveway, and he just barely missed the car. Everybody's just going, "Oh Jesus!" You know, and oh my God, he's 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 not my guy. I haven't been coaching him. I haven't been doing anything. So I talked to his sponsors, if you call him that. I said, "Kind of do an attitude (laughs) attitude check on him when he gets down, and see if he learned anything, if he scared himself or, or whatever." And I'm talking to his sponsor, and, and the guy goes out a little ways, and he pulls back, and he comes diving back in right over where the audience is standing in front of the hangar. And he pulls up and does a torque roll, real low level, just for the initiation. And goddamn, oh he locked gosh. that thing in to perfect balance, and that thing is torquing, torque rolling back down. And my computer in my head says he can't make it. He can't make it. But he does, and he flops out of there. And I, by that time, I've got a radio, and I run his ass out of there and tell him if he's going to do any more aerobatics, get out over the river. So he goes out and he flies some more. And I'm talking to his sponsor. And I said, okay, you can go have a talk with this guy and see if he's learned anything at all. And he pulls up in front of the hangar, and he shuts down and opens the canopy on the, on the extra, and he stands up, and he's got his hands in the air, and he's 
screaming and hollering. He said, how much more fun can you have with your clothes on? Said, you know, you dumb bastard, you come so close to dying. <laughs> so I had he to kick you in the he nuts. He has no idea. <laughs> he had no, he has idea. no idea. So, but there were, there were two, two videos of it. And uh, about Wednesday, he had somebody had forwarded him a video and he called me up and apologized and all, but he, I, I, I did a little air show every year for a friend of mine who had a vineyard on the West side of the Valley by Soledad. And I'd had him fly in it one year, but I never invited him back. <laughs> and he, he, took offense, he, he, took offense, he called me out on it one time. I said, no, you're not flying oh, it anymore. <laughs> you're not flying in anything I do anymore. No, but uh, that was, so I didn't have to reach very far to figure out the answer to your question on that one. No, that was, <laughs> you can't see a guy come any closer to dying than that. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Uh, well, there's Rocky and there's what you got. Jeffy? <laughs> well, that's so, that's uh, I'm glad you bring them up because uh, you I mean, I've heard some insane stories because, uh, you, you, you know, to bring it back, you were talking about, you know, you and Sean just trying to develop new maneuvers. Um, how many how many maneuvers would you say you guys as a collective are coined in inventing? Oh, wow. It's a ton. <laughs> we, no, we went to, it's got to be more well, than that. Well, let me tell you the, 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 the funny part about that. Is uh, we're flying competition and we were using these maneuvers we were developing in the four minute freestyle and all, and it kind of upset the the old guard a little bit. But so much of what we were doing were pulling up, either pulling up or pushing up, and then going right, right, and then maybe we'd lay out inverted early. But we had about four or five maneuvers. All they were were vertical right rights, but they were. They they started to finish first, so that's why I say we only had one maneuver, but we had so much bullshit wrapped around them, that different names and one thing and another. <laughs> but we oh, it was it you was a come lot. Back to uh, I see that was, it was really it was really a lot of fun because uh, you know as I said about mess, all it was was about was fun. That was the bottom line. But Sean would be on the ground and I'd be flying and. Uh, then I would be on the ground and he'd be flying. We'd be comparing notes on a given setup for a maneuver, what we we're trying to accomplish. And uh, we did come up with some, we did come up with some original maneuvers and, and Sean up until his last flight was still using some of them. But uh, no, that was, that was, that was <laughs> what it was. That's what it was all about. And no, nothing in my, my aerobatic uh, career gave me more satisfaction than developing a new maneuver. That's why I'm envious of Rob Holland now with the elevator deflection, aileron, everything, power. He can do, he can do, he can do, you know, as you keep developing the aircraft. Uh, when I was developing, mm, which airplane was it? The original? No, it must have been uh, after uh, Loudon's Leo uh, died. One of his daughters contacted me <clears throat> and he was going to name his airplane, the shark, the airplane that's in the museum now that never, that never flew. Right. Yeah. 
uh, one of his daughters <clears throat> called me and asked me if I would take on the project and develop it and fly it and all that. And um, I didn't know much about the airplane. Uh, some of what I heard about his weight-saving <clears throat> uh, procedures were a little sketchy. But I had my plate full at that I, time. I, want to know, me. I wonder if the how, – how real – I we the it's the, the Leo's Leo's antics are mythical, and I wonder how real. Uh, uh, like shaving down cooling fins, uh, sh- saving weight here and there. Like man, <laughs> it makes you wonder. Makes you really hesitant to get in one of his airplanes. <laughs> well, uh, Leo and I were flying a show up in Washington, and he, I was flying the the original Raven, <clears throat> and I was tumbling it, and he was not tumbling his airplane. And he was curious about what was different about mine that enabled me and didn't realize that it was technique, a technique, more than it was design of the airplane. So he propositioned me one night at a party to switch airplanes the next morning and go out and he wanted to fly mine. So his concession was for me to be able to fly his. So talking about his weight saving, you know, the name of the airplane was Obsession. He had an obsession with weight, and that's what obsession came from. First thing that happened when I got in his airplane and went through just seat belts, they came apart in my hand because he had them cut off a half an inch from, you know, they they only came through the buckle <laughs> half an inch further than they had to. That was weight. <laughs> Honest to God, any, any screw, any screw that came through was filed off flush. I mean, every, it was an obsession. He just, it was, it was. It was. He just wanted that airplane to be, and and I really appreciated that because one of the things we did on that flight, we flew side by side and throttled back, and uh, when him flying my airplane stalled and fell out of the sky, me and his airplane, shit, I had another five or six knots before I stalled. So I made my, I made a, I had a thought at that time. If you build me a an aerobatic airplane. And you offer me 10, 15 knots on the top end of the speed scale or give me five knots on the stall side. I'm going to take that five knots that you're going to give me on the, <clears throat> on the stall side. That's that's where, you know, the most importance is in most of the maneuvers. I would sacrifice 15 off the top. <clears throat> Forget about that. If I could have five knots slower that I could use in a, in a routine. But that was Leo. He was he was really weight conscious. Yeah, he was a, a wow. absolute genius, genius guy. Do you think the uh, Do you think that shark will ever fly, or is it gonna? You no, think it'll no. stay in the uh, museum? No, no, no. It no. It's. I never gave it a thought that it would ever fly once it went into the museum. Because <clears throat> what I I had heard that. Yeah. Being built with all the carbon fiber and the carbon fiber t- tools, uh, uh, material I meant. Um, wasn't there some type of issue that if like the seatbelt hit one of the the carbon fiber sure. tubes, there would sure. be some type of micro vibration or something? Like that's so you had to be like super careful even getting in. Yeah. It. Sure, that was one of my reluctant uh, about flying the airplane or, or having anything to do with it. Somebody could drop a wrench on one of those carbon uh, longerons. And you'd have no evidence that you know it was fractured. It was it was weakened. No, that that was that was one of my uh, 
Oh my reluctant God. thoughts to, to not that. Good. Yeah. No, there were too many unknowns there. Oof. Yeah. Let alone knowing how much strength but, um, I had in the first place. The other thing I got to ask you, because you would, you'll know, um, I was a, a child when I heard this, but was Rocky Hill really running nitrous oxide in his motor? <laughs> Somebody had said that, <laughs> and I like n- never forgot it. <laughs> I need to know the truth. <laughs> well, I might have known it sometime and forgot it, but I don't. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, we were who, who in the hell was running nitrous oxide and why? Uh, I'll ask him. I, I don't remember. <laughs> it wouldn't put me, you know, I'm not saying no, because <clears throat> he wouldn't do it. <laughs> Rocky, Rocky is so Rocky much very much seems like the person that would do, he would do anything, I think. Oh, <laughs> it yeah. Seems like well, it. you know, he went from being the wildest SOB out there to the preacher of safety. He, he turned a corner and, and, uh, then he was really on people's back if they if they got a little wild and crazy. But he 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 did a hundred and eighty wow. degree switcheroo on that because he was. But but God, he was. Was fun there to a fly. moment that like, or was there an event that he that that made him switch? Because I had always heard that he was. I mean, I, I won't say like reckless or dangerous, but like definitely a uh, an envelope. Intense. Yeah, he pusher. was intense. Yeah. <laughs> The weed whacker yeah. was his favorite maneuver. He liked to come down the runway and <clears throat> as much bank as he could, you know, and kind of on the slow side and with the wingtip about, you know, three, four, three feet off the ground and all. And, and he had a good feel for it. Uh, no, but he was, he was so much fun uh, to fly with. But he did, he did turn the corner and went from uh, being a, a, a wild man. Jesus, we were trying to put together a formation routine and, uh, uh, we were, oh, we had more goddamn ideas and that didn't work and you could shake a stick at. How about having a rendezvous where you're coming from opposite, opposite ends of the runway, okay? <clears throat> and it's some magic spot, which you don't have any way to define where that magic spot is. One guy pulls into a loop, okay? And the other guy pulls up to a 45 and does a reverse half cube and eight. And you join at the top and finish the original guy's loop in formation. <laughs> that was that was That's one we were that is hardcore. Well, there was no way to come up with the defined point where you both pulled, and uh, we we pulled off a few times, and and uh, and then there was another thing we had going where we did some kind of a tumble coming from opposite direction. We pulled up and tumbled the airplane. And one day I was looking down through the bottom of my airplane <clears throat> through the Lexon floorboards and his airplane is really close to mine, belly to belly, prop to prop. <laughs> oh, and I can hear his prop. And oh my beans, God. We're in, beans we're in a lump Javak mode. We don't have positive control of our airplanes. Our airplanes are going through the air as all these other forces and factors all lined up a few seconds before that. And so we kind of went through oh space uh, with no control of our airplane hovering next to each other. <laughs> uh, didn't do that. Anymore. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> we are that, yeah. real, we are that brilliant that we didn't do that again. <clears throat> this is all going into the uh, movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, good God, luck on finding the, the stories. They should be a movie. Fine. Yeah. Well, we'll find the stunt pilots that are going to pull that crap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
No kidding. Hey, Wayne, who, who was your favorite air show performer to watch? Um, I know you, there, you got a lot to choose from, but if you can relive watching somebody fly, who would it be? No, oh, that's a, that's really a tough question. There's so many, so many out there that I, that I, man, that's a good question. Aspired to, aspired to be like, but, uh, Leo, Leo was really good. He was so precise and he did, uh, uh, snap and a half on takeoff really low. And then, you know, went out and knife edge and uh, just did a lot of stuff. Very clean, very, you know, just on it all the time. And, uh, yeah, but, uh, uh, yeah, that's something. Leo's I wish, like, I wish correct me if I'm wrong, Wayne. Wayne, Leo. I mean, obviously, he worked really hard, but he really struck me. And granted, I didn't. I never got to see him perform, uh, but I, I, I did watch videos of him that were uploaded later on, um, and knew of him. Um, he seemed like a natural talent, and I hate. I kind of hate that because obviously everybody works really hard at their abilities and to be as precise and as talent and as. Um, performative as they are in the air show world, but he really struck me as seemingly um, <laughs> unassuming and, and very naturally gifted. I mean, would, would you agree with that? Or am I, am I, yeah, I am I off on and that? I, and I would, I would add that there was a, a degree of intensity, you know, it goes back to <clears throat> filing down the, any object that wasn't necessary in the airplane. Uh, he was extremely intense, and he he thought a lot. He put a lot of thought into what he what he was doing and all. But uh, uh, the fact that he well, he was national champion how many years? Eight or so. So that's that's a hell yeah. of a testimonial in itself. I don't I don't remember how many years he was national champion, but it was it was a lot. It's crazy, Seven or eight. and it and and it becomes like. When you really step outside and think about it, like if you can win one nationals and unlimited, that's that's a life achievement. And <laughs> yeah, people like Leo and and Rob. That, well, hell, I came in. Even, it's just like it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, and then you got, and then what's crazy is you got you got Rob doing his freestyle, and and he's got you know a, a ton of great maneuvers, but he has that inside tumble, and it's it's incredible. But because you know because we're so used to it, it's like oh. Okay, that's cool. It's an inside tumble, but like it's it's an unbelievable. Oh, he landed on the moon again. Yeah, oh, big deal. <laughs> um, but yeah, one of the things I was trying to get at before is I I kind of wish that the air shows, you know, I really love the the competition and the 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 very precise flying that that you know Gulian does and and, and Rob does, but I really wish that there was more um, like turbine toucan. I like that bourbon brought the Yak 110 with the gen engine, like more airplanes yeah. that aren't normal that you can't buy on the, you know, that you can't go buy tomorrow if you had the money, you know, the one-off type stuff. Yeah. I don't know what the modern air show audience wants. I don't know what they're looking for. <coughs> yeah. I guess that's a good point. Cause bourbon could easily do, he could easily do a show in his 330 SC. Um, right. but he has the Yak 110 and that's obviously, I mean, I would think that's a, a much more marketable airplane. Um, obviously the logistics of moving that thing are harder, but well, a much more marketable air show airplane. There's a couple of uh, people I'd like to point out. Um, Jim Pites was flying air shows and, in an extra. And, uh, it was like when I was starting out in the pit special, well, we've got a couple of those on the field. So then he jumps in his Bonanza 
And eating book shows a hell of a lot easier and more than the average pilot can identify more with, you know, and be impressed with Jim flying the, the Bonanza than, you know, somebody flying the extra. And Vicki Benzing, she's got the extra and, and uh, she does all her shows in the, in the Stearman. Flies the, in st- hell in the Stearman, out of yeah. Stearman, does a beautiful job in the Stearman and has no problem booking it. And when I get a kick out of Vicki also, as I volunteer to help her move her steerman around the country, um, she's never taken me up on it. And uh, she flies that Hummer back and forth to Oshawa every year, all over the country, at, you know, <laughs> 90 to 100 miles an hour. And she loves takes it. Her, takes her days. Yeah. She came back one year from Oshkosh, and she was complaining about her ear being sunburned. And I looked at her and I'm trying to think, how could your ear be sunburned? You're flying cross country and you got a headset on. And I said, how can your ear be sunburned? She said, clarity aloft. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I had to think about that one for a second. Yeah. <laughs> I remember talking to Jim Pites. I, I picked up an extra 300 from Jim um, years and years and years ago. And I, I was talking to him about the Bonanza and, uh, He's like, oh, it's so I, I don't need a chase airplane. I don't need a support aircraft anymore. I can like I can put whoever I want in here. It's so much more comfortable. I've got a portable AC so much better than flying an extra <laughs> to and from <laughs> and doing air shows. And I I totally get that. Boy, the funny the more, part, the older I that, get, the more I'm like, I just I, I just want to be comfortable. <laughs> funny part yeah. about Jiminy's bananas and he's. <laughs> funny thing about Jiminy's bananas and going cross country and all the all the comfort and all that. By the time he switched over to the Bonanza, his wife was totally burned out on air shows. Now that she's got a comfortable ride, <clears throat> she stays home. She won't go. <laughs> yeah. <Then they're> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I'll tell you a story off the record here about Jim. <clears throat> He's got Kathy in the front seat of the extra, and they're, they're VFR on top going into an Air Force base. And he doesn't have any instruments in the airplane. And uh, so they're making their their way into the airport, and they're lined up on the center line of this 10,000-foot runway. Probably have a 1,000-foot ceiling or 1,200-foot ceiling. <clears throat> and uh, GPS and all, he's all lined up there. So when he, when, he, when he gets to a point a couple miles off the end of the runway, he tells Kathy, just – Put your head down, hang on. He stalls the airplane, spins it, recovers, and goes in and lands. And uh, he said, well, hell, they cleared me for the approach. They just didn't say which one. (laughs) 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 Oh, my God. Oh, my God. He he had experience doing that when he was was younger. He he and his boss were ferrying uh, cubs. down to uh, Pierre, South Dakota, and they'd be stuck VFR on top. But, you know, you can listen to Unicom and all that and know that you've got <laughs> 1,500 feet or so underneath. And, and uh, so they'd break off 30, 40 degrees away from each other, stall the cubs, spin them down, and go on in. But <clears throat> yeah, it just becomes relative at that point. <laughs> I, uh, That's hardcore. I, I guess I got to do it I, again. <laughs> Uh, let me, I would let me do that you, in an emergency, but I don't know, man. Well, let me give you a tip on how to do it. One day at Mets, one day at Mets, one day at Mets, we had a we had a 
a, a cloud bank out off the runway of waves, and, and the bottoms uh, were about, I'd say, probably 15 to 2,000 feet. I know I wouldn't do this any less than 1,500 feet. And it was about it was about a thousand feet thick, so I take the Raven out and I stall the airplane right above the tops of the clouds and spin it. And uh, at the beginning of the spin, you know everything is oscillatory and disorienting, and I, I didn't like that at all. And I popped out the bottom and recovered, and I went back out and I said, "Well, that wasn't very goddamn good at all." So I went back out and I went up a thousand feet above the top of the clouds stalled it and spun it and then i was all the you know the spin was stabilized by the time i went into the clouds so i spun down through and popped out and i said okay if i ever have to do that that's the way to do it and that makes sense yeah and, and like i say if you stall right in the top of the clouds then beginning of that spin and you're down in there and things are wobbling around oscillatory and it's it's not a fun ride at all but when i when i got up higher and had the spin stabilized when i went in then it was a piece of cake <laughs> And perfectly controlled. You, you could I mean, have that just, makes much more sense. Yeah, you could have just went vertical on the Raven and then back down through the clouds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Jeff, I like, like where your head's that, at. That, that would be a new you way. Know, he's watching like, all these neck. people do it, and he's like, hold my beer. Hold my <laughs> beer. Let me show you how to do this. <laughs> I'm going to pogo stick the shit out of this. <laughs> Wayne, did you ever see how... Did you ever see how slow you could get that thing in a dive? Uh, yeah, it's what almost killed me. <clears throat> uh, when when uh, the oh, maneuver because right. it wouldn't come out of beta, right? Uh, no, the engine flamed out. And uh, oh, but anyway, let me go. Let me go back to to this thing. The maneuver I'd, I'd do <clears throat> is I would. The whole gig was to take off have a start finish line where I took off on this line and I'd be in the air in 150, 200 feet and pull straight up over the top and do a half Cuban. And then I would track back a, a couple of three, four seconds. I'd pull to the vertical, do a half roll and I'd go up to about 1400 feet, push over the top. And as soon as I got my nose down to about a 45 degree angle, I'd pull a prop back through beta back into reverse and keep pulling it until I could feel I was right on the edge of blanking out the horizontal stabilizer. And then I'd, I'd play the throttle air, so I still had that control. And uh, on the day of the accident, uh, the engine flamed out, and the prop probably stopped at beta, where it was just total flat. And I could not dive. I couldn't give away any more attitude. I couldn't push my nose down to get any more speed. The computer in my head is saying, anything you give away, you can't get back. And uh, I was not able to get my nose up to flare at the bottom. And when I was coming down in that attitude, I would have the airplane slowed down to about 75, 80 knots. And what I needed on the day of the oh accident. Oh, my gosh. What I needed on the day of the accident was to get that thing accelerated back up to 90 to 100 knots to flare. and. Uh, so after the accident, the engine went back to uh, Pratt and Whitney, and they're not going to. That's you know, given that's that's the fox guard in the hen house when you send the engine back to the manufacturer, and that's standard procedure. Absolutely. Uh, a friend of mine had a problem in a 
uh, with a Continental, and it went back to Continental to be. But anyway, Pratt and Whitney came out with a statement that uh, the engine was developing a significant amount of power at the time of impact. Well, I say there was rotation. There were several thousand RPMs of rotation in those turbine blades and all, but there was no power. There was no thrust. And uh, I was, you know, going through my rehab and all during this investigation. I didn't have any input to it. So NTSB takes that information. They credited me with pilot error because in their statement, I failed to maintain sufficient airspeed. Well, what also was going on that I've never, I've never bothered to contest that. I don't give a rat's ass what they think. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, the red, the, the red Baron, you know, you know, a lot of times young pilots and all, they get nailed with pilot error and they think it's the end of the world because NTSB branded them with pilot error, but NTSB doesn't have a stamp that says, we don't know. They're going to put something on there. But anyway, yep. My saving grace on that accident was the Red Baron Squadron was at Salinas, and their videographer was on the taxiway that I crashed on, and he's videoing me doing the maneuver. When I come over the maneuver, when I come over the top of the maneuver, I'm turning 2,200 RPM. So you see the strobe effect in the video. The difference between what I call film speed—it's not film act, obviously—but you know what I'm talking about—the old wagon wheel effect how it looks like mm-hmm. it's going the other way. Yeah. So I come yeah. over, I come over the maneuver. I come over the top of the maneuver and you see the strobe effect of the difference between 2200 RPM and probably 1800 RPM film speed. And then down where the engine flames out, you see the strobe effect stop and then accelerate the other way. And, uh, oh, so reduction in RPM. Sure. That's, that's, that's my evidence that, that backs up, as I didn't know what the hell was going on. I, I knew, you know, things weren't right. And uh, I never had to use a lot of throttle. All I had to do was bring the throttle up <clears throat> just a little bit past idle to get my 90 to 100 knots for flare and make my landing and then roll up and stop on that start-finish line. But but uh, on that day when, when the engine flamed out and that RPM went down to zip, uh, that prop was uh, – it was like having a big piece of plywood in front of the airplane. I, I couldn't I couldn't accelerate, and I didn't have time. And I had about three, four seconds to think about this, if that long. And the last thought that went through my mind is, <clears throat> uh, if I can't get a little more airspeed, this is going to hurt. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I didn't, I, I didn't get it. And then... Uh, I thought if if I was going to guess what your last thought would be, oh man, I don't want a stink bug sticker on this thing. This thing is beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was a stink bug that got run over by a truck. So so they've they've got me. They've got me. Okay, I'm still in the cockpit. I'm 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 still in the cockpit, and I know my back is broke, and um, they're getting the boards all set up and all how they're going to extract me from the cockpit. And while they're getting this material already, uh, Sean Tucker was able to talk his way through the emergency people to talk to me. And uh, so we had a little conversation there and, and he was laughing later. He said, <clears throat> the first, the first guy 
he was talking to the, the captain there in charge of the rescue crew. He, when he got to the airplane, he was a, he was the first one to the cockpit, and he was not expecting any life in the in the cockpit. And I'm sitting there like a pigeon had just been hit by a semi truck. You know, my head's bobbing around. And the first thing I said was when I looked up at him, I said, "Fuck, I hit hard." <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> oh my god <laughs> looking funny. back That's... on that on that uh those last you know few seconds is there anything you would have done differently no uh not much you could have done I, differently okay all right all right let's 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 go with that when when you when people are <laughs> when people are near the stall and they have a high rate of descent and it's inevitable you're going to hit the ground, it is almost impossible not to ask for a little more, a little more back stick. So from, from the yeah. time I knew I was, from the time I was in trouble, you think of a bull rides eight seconds. So if I'm saying that's a long time, if you're on that bull or trying to stay on that bull. So say I've got four seconds and you watch the video of, of the airplane coming down, you can see me. I'm not, I'm not using the ailerons. I'm very, very conscious of not stalling the airplane. I'm not using the ailerons. I don't want to do anything to kill any lift. And I'm maintaining my directional control with the rudder. And you can see the elevator. means that big plates out in front of me disrupting the airflow and all. The elevator is deflected up pretty high to keep the attitude that I want. And I'm, re- I'm, I'm, I'm resisting this ten- tendency to succumb to pulling back because you know the the earth is coming up really fast and and the tendency to pull back is just overwhelming and i was just fighting this 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 uh natural reflex to pull back anymore because i was just feeling I, I i was just working the elevator and feeling a little buffet on the wing and i'd let up a little bit and i'd feel a little buffet and i'd let up a little bit so in those four seconds i was working my ass off you were right on the edge yeah oh yeah right in the edge yeah but then after the fact, looking at the video from different angles, if you look at this uh, video from the side, 90 degrees off to the right side, and in slow motion, you watch the descent of the airplane and you see that in the last 20 feet or so, the rate of uh, descent increases. I did ask for too much at the end. So I have to, even though I didn't think I would or did, Looking at the video, I have to I have to say that I was overwhelmed with that with that reaction that I hope you never experience. <laughs> oh, yeah. knock on wood. I mean, well, and and in hindsight, if you would have asked for more and um, exceeded critical AOA and stalled the thing, it would have been way worse. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, so you really you really did you really rode the limit. I did. I was trying to. I was trying to ride the edge all the way to the ground and, and not ask for too much. But I, I have to, I have to admit looking at those videos from the side in slow motion, you can detect that there was an increase, uh, in vertical, you know, vertical. I uh, did, I did pull hard enough where the bottom dropped out from under me. Wow. Is it, is it true? Um, I've heard rumor that this airplane is still either in Salinas or King City. Is that true? Fraser Lake. Do you know? Do Fraser you know, Lake. Uh, That's where it's at. Yeah, and uh, my friend uh, Gigi uh, Brisson in, in uh, 
<clears throat> she she was a big part of my program back in those days. Um, she's she's it, it's it's out of my they they with without me being involved in I'm not sure how all of this really worked out. They were going to give it to the Hiller Museum, but the Hiller Museum got greedy and wanted Larry Ellison to put up another hundred thousand dollars to pay their volunteers to recondition the airplane and they were going to hang it in the museum in the vertical like a rotisserie where the airplane would be there in a constant torque roll. But Larry <clears throat> didn't answer that email. <laughs> no, <laughs> so that didn't go anywhere. Were you, Lonnie, were you involved, Wayne, in that uh, Sukhoi that had the turbine motor put on it, the Shark? Okay, let me think about airplanes. Uh, that was Vitch, 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 Ray Vitch. I forgot about that. Uh, no, no. Uh, Ray Vitch is a friend of mine. We flew together a lot, and uh, he's the one that put the the turbine on the, on the Sukhoi. Um, Did he get that idea that, from you? I hope not. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, no, Ray, uh, Ray is a heart doctor. I haven't talked to him. I hadn't thought about Ray in a long time. But uh, we flew together for a while, and and uh, and then he built that machine. And and uh, but uh, again, weight uh, the thrust to weight ratio wasn't in the same category with the Turbo Raven. Yeah. Do you think these airplanes are inherently uh, like turbine powered aerobatic airplanes? I mean, do you think there's because I, I remember you telling me you went through. Um, I, th I thought I remember you saying that you went through a, a multiple props, um, obviously looking at the logistics of uh, of gyroscopic maneuvers and um, the abuse and G loading um, on a turbine engine. Um, there, there really hasn't been that many. Again, yours, turbine toucan, the shark. Uh, Sukhoi. Um, that's there was I mean, a, that's there all was I can a, think of. There and, was a Great Lakes. There was a Great Lakes before me by twenty years or so, and uh, something went wrong there, and he died in that airplane, and then I crashed mine. And I don't think you're going <clears> to <throat> find an insurance company out there that would touch one. So that's going to, you know, that's going to. I, I could imagine. That's going to hold that program back. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'd love to know. We got when we get Jeff Bourbon back on the podcast. He came on the podcast and told us all about the Yak One Ten, and um, we didn't ask about insurance. <laughs> I probably don't want to know the answer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah. They um, insure these things I'm, would I'm, have to be I, quite high. I have a partner in my Satabria, the Seven uh, GCBC, and he owns an extra three hundred L, and. Um, Sometimes the airplanes were hangered together and all. And I was, when he had the Satabri down in the Bay Area and this extra was up here, he wanted me to exercise it for him. I love that concept. And um, this, this last oh, boy. Year, you, this you, last, you, you poor thing. Yeah. Yeah. He wanted me to, he wanted me to put two, three hours on it a, a month. Well, a 30 second, I mean, 30 minute flights, you know, I, I can stay current at that rate. But uh, hold on to your Absolutely. This year, the insurance for me to be on the airplane, uh, for me to be insured on the airplane, the insurance company wanted $9,000 to have my name on it. Oh, my God. Oh. A little hard to justify. 
but I, I can, I can yeah, go up here and, and, and help him and keep him current and all, but I can't fly it by myself. <laughs> can you put like a oh, dummy a in the front, like a, like a mannequin? Well, that's usually me. That's my position. Do you know what the, what the, what the status of uh, Oracle is in the air show industry? Cause now that, uh, Sean Tucker is not. Oh, that's a good question. From the uh, pits, do you know you have the inside track on um, no. if they're going to sponsor anybody and anything? No, nope. no. Uh, uh, Larry was intrigued with my idea and, and helping me, and um, then I was out for about a year, and Sean <clears throat> contacted Oracle about picking up the sponsorship, and they had a new marketing. Uh, head and uh larry set sean up with talking to this marketing guy and he sean got a couple of friends of his that were good at, at you know coming up with the, uh, the the program the presentation and, and videos and one thing and another and they had an hour <clears throat> so they went in and made their presentation in the first half hour and they discussed it for another half an hour and Sean's saying was the three greatest words in in our vocabulary is God bless America. <laughs> and he uh, he went to that meeting and they made their presentation and Sean changed his three greatest words to you convinced me. <laughs> so so uh, I, I thought Sean I thought Sean did a great job for Oracle and took it to uh, a higher level than I probably would have, uh, and, and did a great job with it. But, uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, Sean wanted to put a formation team together and I don't think Oracle's, uh, marketing program could, uh, justify that over what they'd had. And they had a parting of the ways over that. And so, uh, I have a friend up here now that I didn't know at the time was in Oracle marketing. And uh, once we got to be friends up here, it's, it's a big laugh that Oracle marketing hated me. And uh, I, I ate up a big oh, piece geez. of a big chunk of their budget. And Sean was eating up a big punch, a big chunk of the budget. So there was no support from that side. Cause I had a gal, um, <laughs> there was a woman in the head of marketing when I was there one year. And, and when I was in the, and I'll say several hundred thousand dollar bracket of their uh, sponsorship. She called up about uh, three months into the program and wanted me to give money back. Well, when you're in the air show business, you do your advertising and your uniforms and a lot of that maintenance and all that stuff is done early in the year. And I'd spent a pretty big percentage of that and I was really pulling back and she was squeezing real hard for me to give back a few hundred thousand dollars. And I, oh, and so I just, she wasn't aware what my relationship was with Larry. And as a last resort, I had to call Larry and say, Hey, Larry, I got a problem. And, uh, that woman, <laughs> was, that woman was gone, evaporated. Nobody oh, knew what happened. Oh, wow. <laughs> and this she's gal, working, she's working in a, in a palm tree hut in Bangladesh right now. I, I don't know. But she, this, friend she's, of, <laughs> this friend of mine up here now. She was I we compared stories and she said, Oh, I we never knew what happened to her. 
She's on the same island that Tom Hanks was. <laughs> she she's at the bottom of the bay right now. Yeah, my, they rescued Tom and dropped her off. Yeah, my 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 friend here. She's we're, we're, we're friends now, but she hated me when I was when I was uh, pulling money out of her purse. <laughs> Inside one of those FedEx boxes was an autographed Wayne Hanley signature card. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh man it's amazing too because the the oracle oracle raven um it's you know again it's it's had a i think it's had a, a really big impact on my my life at, with aviation but they're still making oh, models same. of it and and there's so many people out there that that love it and and want to fly it it's it's you know when you think about one it one of the it's most really iconic paint jobs ever i'm flattered well, i think it's one I'm, of the most legend- seeing it's definitely one of the I'm most seeing. legendary aircraft made yeah, uh, yeah, Europe, you know, Germany and, and, and around, uh, a lot of those, and I'm seeing it in all different, the, the paint scheme is the same, but the colors are different, you know, it might be white and red or pink yeah. and green or something, but uh, yeah, they're, they're taking liberties on the, on the colors and all, but the, the basic scheme uh, uh, is, is there, and, and I'm flattered, I I. I've got a picture here I'm looking at right now. A guy from Germany called me here a while back and wanted he want, wanted his model to be so detailed he wanted pictures of the instrument panel. So uh I I shot him I shot him pictures of the instrument panel so he could get that, you know, accurate. But no, it's it's still a popular oh, model. Very cool. Do you get a lot of people that, that uh email you or call you up to to sign the aircraft and, and things like that? No, with no models. No, I I, I feel in in uh, as far as aerobatic instruction and and that type of thing, I've pretty well slid off the back burner. I'm I'm history, and not current history. <laughs> are you doing? Uh, are you still doing aerobatic instruction? On you know, I'm I'm down now with, with the insurance situation. The only way I can do aerobatic instruction is in the customer's airplane and I'm just a passenger. And uh, that's that's down to a slow yeah. drip right now. A friend of mine in, in Grand Junction just bought a game bird and I'm going to go back and fly with him and see what we can develop as far as maneuvers, procedures, how to do the maneuvers and, and all that. And um, a friend of mine. Yeah, sweet. One I'd love the, to hear about how that is. Yeah. Uh, I haven't I haven't had any real conversations with Bill Stein or anybody that's, you know, really flown the airplane aerobatically, uh, how it is. Okay, guys, uh, with uh, Wayne's request, uh, we decided to uh, end the podcast um, a little bit early. Um, we started getting into some topics that were uh, off the record, and uh, he wanted to keep those off the record. So, uh, unfortunately, uh, some of the juiciest, best stories of the night, you will not get to hear, unfortunately. But, uh Really thank uh, Wayne Hanley for coming on. Really appreciate him coming on. Uh, I've known Wayne a long time and, and had the pleasure of, of uh, flying with him a couple times and I've been regaled with his stories for, oh gosh, uh, almost a decade now. So it was nice to hear some of his stories get uh, put into recording. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Thank you for listening to another episode of Fly Cool Shit. 
be sure to check out our website at www.flycoolshit.com. Subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes and Spotify. Any questions, comments, or feedback, shoot us an email at flycoolshit at gmail.com. 